You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connections through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host, and today I have with me Marissa Lonick. Marissa is a keynote speaker, life and business coach, three-time author, top-rated podcast host, and founder of Mama Work It!, After spending nearly 15 years in corporate leadership positions, Marissa shifted gears to become a full-time time momager and biz momager. Through her books, courses, and coaching programs, she helps busy moms juggling mom life, work life, wife life, fill in the blank life. Her time management and goal achievement strategies have helped the most overwhelmed mamas turn their dreams into reality, even when they thought that there'd be no time to make any of it happen. When she's not supporting working parents with the daily juggle, you can find her cooking and baking delicious meals her kids may or may not eat, running, as she says, okay, fine, walking slash running, which is exactly how I caveat that when I say I'm a runner. I say, don't you dare be impressed. It's it's like super slow, but (laughs) running in her neighborhood and hanging out with the five amazing guys she calls her family, her husband, and her four sons. Marissa, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I am just so excited for our chat. I know it's going to be good. Absolutely. Tell the listeners what state you live in. I live in California, but I am a native New Yorker, and I think anybody who talks to me can sense that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, for sure. All right. Let's get right into your rapid fire questions. Do you have a song lyric that you get wrong that's funny? Okay, I'm going to share something. I don't get it wrong, but my kids got it wrong a couple years ago, and it was just (laughs) the funniest thing ever. So flashback to 2020, right? Part of our regular vernacular in this house, as I'm sure in yours, were things like quarantine and (laughs) six feet, right? And vaccines and all of these things. So my husband bought this, um, this like little Christmas thing that, you know, you pressed a button and it sang a song. It sang a pretty inappropriate song, I think, for Christmas for children. Okay. It sang the song, I'm Sexy and I Know It, right? L-M-F-A-O. I love it. My kids would press the button and sing, I kid you not, I'm six feet and I know it because of the COVID vernacular. I love it. That's so cute. The way little brains work. It was the best thing that ever happened in 2020, honestly. Oh, so it's those gems. You'll just never forget that. You'll be able to pluck that out of the back of your mind and laugh out loud at that for years and decades to come. Yes. (laughs) Ah, that's so, so cute. Okay. What is your Enneagram number? Three. Totally a three. Oh, okay. Very good. I'm a two and sometimes I think I have a three wing, so I can definitely relate. Okay. What's the worst job you ever had? I love that you're asking me this. I've been waiting my whole, like, since I'm 19 years old to share this with the world. Okay. Awesome. So when I was in college, I did a lot of jobs, as many people do. And one of them was I was a server in a restaurant. It was a great job in college, right? Lots of cash, made pretty good money. And I worked at this one particular restaurant that I'm not going to name because I don't want to get sued. (laughs) And when you are a server, if you've never been a server, at the end of your shift, you do something called side work. Uh Side work is like all the BTS, behind the scenes stuff that you never think about, but it has to get done in a restaurant to keep it 
functioning properly, right? Yeah. So it's like filling salt and pepper shakers, you know, maybe wiping down chairs, rolling the silverware if that's the way you're. Yeah, totally. Building boxes of like takeout containers if you have to do that, mm-hmm. like just little things like that. And the worst possible side work you could get at this particular restaurant was called sinks. We had like these big sinks in the industrial kitchen where everyone who was rushing around on a busy Saturday night would just like dump, you know, things of soda with like straws in it or like just gross stuff, gross liquid stuff got dumped in there. And if your side work was sinks at the end of the night, God help you. And so I am just so excited that I am at a stage in my life now where <laughs> I can I can look back lovingly on this humbling experience. Even in that moment, I remember saying to my server colleagues, one day I'm going to talk about this BS. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, they make if us you don't do. have a shoulder length glove for me to wear, this job is too nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and today's the day. Today's the day I get to share it with the world. So that yes. was up. I love it. And I actually, I so relate because I was a server in college too. Okay. What was your first live concert? Oh gosh, this is a little embarrassing. My parents actually took me to this concert because probably they couldn't get a babysitter. I don't think they genuinely thought I would enjoy it. I think they just probably couldn't get a babysitter. It was Phil (laughs) Collins. (gasps) Really? (laughs) Oh, see, I'm enough older than you that I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> no, actually, I probably enjoyed it because, you know, they, they, I'm sure like they would listen to that in the car and I would just listen to it because they would. But, yeah, totally. um, so that was my first concert, you know, with parents like that I was taken to. But my first concert that I actually got to decide to go to was Dave Matthews Band. And that was awesome. <gasps> oh my gosh. That must have been a great show. I love that. I love the Dave, yeah. I love Dave Matthews Band. Okay. If you had 24 hours alone in your home with no pressing to do's, what would you do? I could go a lot of directions with this. I'm Mm -hmm. a Gemini. So it really (laughs) is going to depend on my mood. (laughs) On one hand, I could totally just like lock myself in a dark room and with my favorite snacks and watch terrible reality TV. (laughs) And on any other day, I could also just like come up with a business plan and create a whole new venture (laughs) because I'm an Enneagram three. So I don't know. I think it's just going to depend what day you find me on, how I feel that day. How exhausted you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What your energy level is totally determines how the day is going to look. As you know, the point of this podcast is to share our not so fancy moments. We all, believe it or not, look fancy to other people. And I don't know why we hold this belief that everyone's fancy but us. So I love to share stories that remind others that we're all nincompoops, basically, and fools. So what do you have for us today? What is your not-so-fancy moment? Yeah, I mean, I got plenty. Lay <laughs> them on me. But, I'll take as many yeah. as you have. <laughs> all right. All right. I will, I'll share one. I wrote, I wrote about this not-so-fancy moment in my first book, and I think it's worth sharing here. So I used to work in the corporate world. And I, you know, was climbing the corporate ladder, like doing all the things, like wanting to grow. And I was doing great. And one day, my manager at the time couldn't attend a really like important conference. And she asked me to go in her place. And so I felt really excited, really honored, but I had a lot of like imposter syndrome that day, Mm. right? So I was in a room with like a lot of other heads of organizations and, you know, just really felt like I had to constantly all day just prove myself. And so because 
I was part of this conference, I had gotten this calendar invite that invited me to a special dinner after this event. Not everyone was invited to the special dinner, okay? But I got the calendar invite. And I had convinced myself since I got that invite that it was a mistake. Like I was completely telling myself a story that I had been sent that accidentally. I wasn't worthy of attending this dinner. Like I'm going to be so embarrassed if I show up. Really. I mean, I I went on and on. Like it was was like a a movie playing in my head. Mm -hmm. And so after this event, there was like a a little meet and greet where everyone was invited. And then it was like the dinner only a select few were invited to. And I had convinced myself like I shouldn't show up. I'm going to be like super embarrassed. It's going to be awkward. And so I went up to the president of the company at this like meet and greet. And I was like, this is what I said. I'm still like so ashamed to say it out loud. Like I'm <laughs> You're reeling. You're still reeling. Yes. I'm still reeling over it. And I said, you don't really need me at this dinner, do you? Ah, I'm dying saying it. It was like it was like self-sabotage to like a thousand percent in your corporate career. And she like her mouth just dropped open. Like she was like, didn't know what to say. She probably thought I was so entitled, like that I like didn't even want to be there. I cannot, have, I cannot be bothered. But really, you were like, I am not worthy. Oh no. Yeah. And she was like, Well, yeah, if you can't make it, like <laughs> it was so awkward. It was so weird. I like didn't end up going to the dinner. I mean, it was shameful. Like it was Uh, crazy. So anyways, yeah. I hate stuff like that. And then you're going to replay the entire situation in your head at the most inopportune moments for the rest of your life. Completely. Yeah. Like when you can't (laughs) sleep at 3 a.m., you're suddenly having a panic attack about this one sentence that you said to this one person 20 years ago. (laughs) Right? Oh, Oh, I hate stuff like that. Yeah. So did you know anybody who went to the dinner? Were you able to get a report about how it was? Uh, Yeah. And I I mean, I just, I think I wanted to like bury that experience in my mind and not talk about it anymore ever. So I I think I let it go after that and didn't pry much more into it. But Mm -hmm. I knew I had made like a big mistake after that. I was like, oh, what did I just do? And um, yeah, but now I'm okay. I've recovered. Look at you now. (laughs) See, you didn't, it didn't, it didn't sideline your career or anything. No, I even wrote about it in a book. I mean, hey, it's, it's all right. It was content. Yes. Yeah, I've gotten all this catharsis and yeah, content. Exactly. Okay. Tell me about your experience with languages that are not your first language. Oh, with my word choice? Yes. Yes. So actually, funny enough, this was my first language. So oh. <laughs> I grew up in a bicultural, bilingual family. My dad is from Italy. My mom is American. And I've lived overseas in Italy as a kid. I lived in New York. I lived in Southern Italy. And so Italian really is a native language to me. However, anybody out there listening, you know firsthand if you speak another language, like if you don't use it every day, you lose part of it, you know? Or mm-hmm. if, if you're not living or if you're in not that- being educated in that language, then your vocabulary just doesn't get very sophisticated. Yeah. If you're not consistently surrounded by it, right, like you wouldn't necessarily have certain vocabulary or things like that, right? Yeah, for sure. So anyway, I was probably in my 20s, like early 20s at the time, and I was hanging out, you know, at my house, my parents' house where I lived, and I had 
visitors, family visitors from Italy there. And we were chit chatting and there were like some treats on the table. You know, there were like those. Have you ever had um, dried figs? Mm, Yum, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those were on the table. So this person, this elderly family member, and I were chatting. And she was commenting on how delicious these figs were because they had been preserved so well. Now, we're chatting in Italian, okay? Preserved is not a word I use regularly in my everyday vocabulary in a language I wasn't necessarily using every day. (laughs) And so I conversationally commented on what she had said. And instead of using the word preserved in Italian, I used the word condom. Condom. (laughs) (laughs) And um, realized it very quickly. (laughs) Did everybody's faces go like, what? (laughs) She she turned pretty red. I turned pretty red. And I'm not sure if anyone else heard it, thank God. But um, the conversation quickly shifted and that was the end of that. You know, Italian culture is very much like you sweep it under the rug and you don't talk about it and you don't even like laugh about inappropriate things like that. So I think that's where we just all went with it. We just all went in that way. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That's so cute. (laughs) You're like, why couldn't it have been the word for something really benign like carpet? (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Of all the words. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so cute. What is the word for condom in Italian? Preservativo. Oh, well that okay, I can see You could how you see made why mistake, I made that mistake. Yeah. You could see why I made that mistake. And I'm pretty sure the correct term is conservativo. So, there we go. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's a landmine right there. That's that's embarrassment waiting to happen with those terms. Wow. <laughs> that's so cute. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your books. You've written a few. Yes. So my first book is called Time Momagement, How to Get the Time You Need to Do the Things You Want. And it is all about, you guessed it, time management for moms. So all about just being able to prioritize your dreams, your goals when your life feels just like super busy and like you are just constantly juggling all the things for all the people around you. Mm-hmm. So that's my first book. My second book is a journal planner. It's called Word to Your Mother, A Mama's Guide to Journal Today and Slay Tomorrow. It's been called the journal for non-journalers. So if journaling Mm -hmm. intimidates you, this is a very simple method. It's guided. It's just answering a few questions at the end of each day to kind of just check in with yourself and then, you know, ways to set your intentions and your goals for the next day so that you are able to hold yourself accountable, be laser focused and prioritize yourself, which often for moms gets put at the bottom of the to-do list. And we all know what happens at the bottom of the to-do list. Things on there really get done, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's trampled. Totally. Yeah. And then what's your third one? Yeah. And the most recent one is called Biz Momagement, the working mom's guide to go from employee to entrepreneur. And it is all about taking that leap. Wow. Amazing. Okay. I will link to all three of those in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you like to rip your bra off when you're finally home for the day, you're just like me. But 
I don't like my boobs to be all akimbo in a million directions, and I don't want to terrorize the UPS man. So I came up with shelfies, which are super soft, cozy, built-in shelf bra loungewear. Each shelf bra has just enough thickness for nipple coverage, separate cups, which are built-in for good separation, and just enough lift for some support. Super comfy. We now have long sleeve styles without pockets, short sleeve styles without pockets. Those are new. And we are developing a plus line. So that will be coming up soon. But if you'd like to check it out, go to shelfieshop.com. That's S-H-E-L-F-I-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Not because we're fancy, but because plain shop was taken. <laughs> if you'd like to get 10% off your order, use the code FANCYFREE. Shipping is free, and I think you'll love them. Okay, do you have a quick life hack for the listeners? I do. I got a lot of life hacks. I bet you do. Let's talk about multitasking for a minute. I'll, t- awesome. I'll teach you my mantra. I geek out on you know time management, productivity, resources, and information and stuff like that. And I follow a lot of experts out there that will point blank be like, don't multitask, right? Like it's bad. It takes your focus away from what you're doing. You're going to make mistakes. It's going to cost you money. And here's the thing, like I get it. I totally get it. I respect these people. Like they are multimillionaires, all of them, and they're doing something right. But I also keep it real. Yeah. Like they must have staff. Like I'm a mom of four kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that staff yet. One day, yeah. hopefully. I am my own but staff. Right, right right now, yeah, I'm I'm managing all the things around here. So I gotta keep it real. So my mantra that I personally follow and you know, this is what I teach my clients, this is what I share a lot when I'm educating people on this is multitask the mindless and solo task the mindful. And what that means is you are really intentional about choosing what you multitask and choosing what you don't because it's not black and white. It's got to be gray, especially if you're someone juggling lots of things, right? So when I think about mindless things in my life, I think about things I can do on autopilot, Mm -hmm. things that if I messed up a little bit, wouldn't really be the end of the world. And oftentimes, these are even things that I don't like love to do. Okay. So these are things like maybe folding laundry, cleaning up my kitchen after dinner, maybe prepping lunches or snacks or things like that for the kids. Maybe even exercise sometimes if I'm not feeling super motivated. I don't always Mm -hmm. love it. Right. I mean, I do generally work out, but some days I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't, I look at the treadmill and I'm like, you and I, man, we're going head to head. Like it's not my favorite thing. So Mm -hmm. I would say, If you can multitask these things with things that maybe even bring you a little more joy in those moments, things that you maybe are often telling yourself you don't have time for, you can Mm -hmm. make them not only more enjoyable for yourself, but you can pair them with things that you actually want to get done that you are constantly telling yourself that you can't. So maybe that's like listening to a great podcast like this one. Maybe that mm-hmm. is, you know, listening to an audiobook even. Maybe it is chit-chatting with a friend or, you know, networking in your business or things like that. So multitask the mindless, multitask those kind of things. And then on the other hand, be fully present for the things that are mindful that you want to be there for. 
solo task those things like when you are working on a creative project when you are having dinner with your family when you're having a conversation maybe with your partner like be all in don't be mm-hmm. trying to like check your email at this time or like scroll your social or do other things like really be present for it be intentional about being in those moments because those are the things that are going to cost you time energy your sanity if you're trying to pair them with other things Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love it. And that's just something that we can remind ourselves of all the time. Like I just, I'm thinking about like last night when I was just sitting and I was on my computer and a lot of times I'm on my computer and my phone and I'm like listening to like watching slash listening to a video, checking my email. And then my 17 year old daughter walks down the stairs and sits on the couch. The phone goes away. At least it should. The headphones come out. The computer gets closed because if she wants to talk and she's ready to be in my face, I need to be there for that. And it's really yeah. tempting. As, it, as, I feel like I'm. it's much more acute for me this year because my oldest daughter just left for college and this one's leaving next year. So I'm thinking about it more. But it's really tempting to just continue finishing up what you were doing. But you could, def, you could miss out on a really important interaction that way. So yeah, that's so good. I love it. Such good advice. Yeah, that's a great example too. been loving lately that you think the listeners might love too? Yeah, I would say it's a guilty pleasure, but I have been watching the Netflix series Love is Blind. Have you seen it? Is this the show where they never see each other and they just talk to each other? And And then then they they get engaged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by that. My husband and I watched one season. I don't know why we haven't watched more of it because I think it's so interesting. I mean, it's a it's a very against my cautious nature, but I also find it fascinating from a sociologic perspective. <laughs> yes, yes, me too. That's the thing. I I find these like they're called they call them social experiments. I guess yes. I find these social experiment like reality TV shows just like you can't look away. Like they're yes, just so exactly, interesting. Yeah, me they're too. so interesting. Like, hmm, yeah, I should have been a social scientist. This is so fascinating. That's one that I have been watching because there's a new season on right now. You got to catch up, girl. We're on season three. So. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> we like to watch something super mindless like that sometimes right before we go to bed. So I think I'm going to suggest that. I'm, ne- I'm never in control of the TV because I'm always – getting work done in the evenings and my husband's just watching TV and I just kind of sort of watch whatever he's watching. But yeah, I'm going to need to put Love is Blind back on the docket because that is so fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. And they also have, just just saying, they even have one season, I believe, that took place in Japan. And oh. if you're someone who is fascinated by like different cultures and things like that, like I am, it was amazing to watch because not only is it the social experiment, now it's like a whole nother culture and how they deal with it. It was like a documentary to me. Like I was just learning so much. So yes. The only thing to me that's better than watching a social experiment go down is watching a social experiment go down while I'm learning about something that I was previously unfamiliar with, like another culture. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So fascinating. All right. Do you have a funny or awful or crazy first date story? Yes. The first date with my husband, I will tell you. (gasps) Yay. Yeah. So we met when I was still in college and he's a little older than me. He's about four years older than me. So he was like already in his career. I was a senior in college. We met. It was just not the right time for us to be 
dating at that time. So we kind of chatted a little bit and then went our separate ways a little bit and then reconnected. So we reconnected probably a year after we met or something like that. Like it, it had been a while. Okay. He picks me up and we go on this date and we're in the car and I had texted him to like reconnect uh, you know, just saying like, oh, hey, remember we met where, you know, but anyway, that was the extent of it, right? So you reached back out. I reached back out. Yes. Good girl. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the car driving to our date and he's just such an honest, great guy, right? He can't lie. And he just said, you're going to think I'm such a terrible person, but like, I cannot remember your name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> He had. He goes. I lost my phone during our lapse time that we hadn't seen each other, and I lost all my contacts because you know this was like pre cloud days, I guess, right? Yes. And he couldn't remember my name, and he like I guess wanted to just come clean about it before it got awkward. And so me, being who I am, I was. I just cracked up, and I just said, "Well, guess it." <laughs> I'll give you five guesses, no 10. Yeah. So I gave him the first letter and I let him guess it and let him sweat a little bit. And then finally, (laughs) I'm I'm sure I probably just told him, but yeah, that was our first date. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) I have gone out with one man that to this day, I don't know his name, but it was either Kurt (laughs) or Kirk. It was one of those. <laughs> I didn't well, did you marry which... him? Because, I mean, if you didn't marry him, who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I never even went out with him again. I was like, it doesn't matter what his name is. <laughs> uh, no, I married – my husband's name is Scott, and he is fabulous and fantastic. We will have been married 25 years come this December. But oh, um yay. Yeah. But he – my – my first boyfriend in high school's name was Scott also. And when I was young, I always liked the name Scott and thought if I have a boy, I want to name him Scott. So hmm. I don't know what it is with me and the Scots, but anyway, I'm married to a Scott. So of course we couldn't name, we never had a son, so it didn't matter, but we were going to name our first son, John, after my dad, but, but that didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's who I'm married to, Scott. And I like a play on words and I don't know if it's just people who watch Star Trek or not, but do you know about the phrase Great Scott? Like, is that a thing that you've heard growing up? Great Scott. It's not, people don't really say it anymore, but um, I think it was just on Star Trek. Like when my parents would watch Star Trek, they used to say that. So I was like, Scott, do, does anybody ever like come up to you and go, Great Scott? And he was like, what? Like it totally fell flat. I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to go with Scott on this one. I haven't, I haven't heard this before. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if it's a – I was going to say maybe it's a back east thing because I'm from back east, but you are too and you didn't hear of it. So I don't know. It's just kind of an old-fashioned exclamation, I guess, that nobody uses anymore, including mm. my husband's family because <laughs> we never well, heard of it. yeah. The more you know. I mean, I learned something new today. Yeah. Cool. You know, so if you're getting bored with your exclamations, you could always bust out a great Scott, you know? There you yeah. go. <laughs> All right. What upcoming thing are you excited about? Yeah, I recently released Biz Management, the book. So I have been working on getting the audiobook up and ready to roll. Ooh. I don't know about you, but I listen to a lot of my books. Yeah, I do too. That's just life these days. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be able to provide that in my newest book too. So I've been behind the scenes recording that, getting that ready to go. And I'm excited for that to hit the shelves soon. 
Wow. Awesome. Okay. So the book has been published, but the audiobook is still on its way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Tell my listeners where all the places they can find you online. The best place to find me is my website. So it's www.mamaworkit.com. And that's spelled M-A-M-A because I know there's lots of ways to spell mama out there. And on there, there's some great freebies. There's a time management mini course that you can access for free. There are productivity hacks for moms in business. And you can subscribe to our weekly free newsletter where we share time management and productivity hacks. So definitely, definitely visit the website. Lots of good stuff on there, blog, podcast, all the great things. And then on social media, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the handle Let Mama Work It. All right. Very good. Well, Marissa, this was so much fun. Thank you so, so much for being on with me. And I'm excited to be on your podcast as well. I know. I can't wait. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast. We will see you next time. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look. (laughs) 